Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. I want to go back to one thing. You're talking about yielding to the Holy Spirit, yielding to the thing. And I know you're, you're a cardiologist. It's like, and I, sometimes I tease you, Bob, and I say, thank God you don't have a demanding day job <laughs> because even you, we're, we're doing this podcast together on a Sunday evening and you were early before we started recording. You're saying you read 117 EKGs today because you have these patients, these obligations. People are depending on you for their, uh, for their lives, literally. And yet I know that in this Bible study we lead, it takes you hours and hours and hours just going over the videos we're creating, the sound checks, working on that with you and helping you a little bit with that. I mean, it's a labor of love. And I just think, you know, in the vein of let another praise you, not your own lips, I think that is another example of yielding to the Holy, because it's an opportunity. And you, you put these, these messages out. It's a little bit like this podcast. You put these messages out and, you know, 40, 50 people listen to the message afterwards and people's lives are touched by those things and changed by those, but it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Yeah, but it's a, it's, it's a fun thing. You and I are technology guys and, and, you know, being able to take the love of technology and then turn it to the Lord's work is, is really a lot of fun. And one of the things that encourages me with our men's Bible study is that I've got a doctor friend who's uh, never once set foot in our Bible study group. But he listens virtually every week to the little video that we record. So I think about him as I'm putting this together, like, I wonder how he would uh, respond to this. What would, what do you think of this? And he'll send me a text. Hey, that was a really interesting insight. And so he, so there are people out there listening and watching our little Bible study videos. And I said, you know, I want this to be good quality. I want this to honor the Lord. And so I want it to be good quality. And, and so. It's it's a labor of love for the sake of the kingdom, and not just because I'm a little bit perfectionistic as a as a cardiologist. But when you when you want someone putting in a pacemaker in you, you're pretty happy that they're perfectionistic. So absolutely, yeah, that's <laughs> that is that is so true, man. If I ever have a heart issues, I'm coming to you, man. I I appreciate that too because a lot of the content that we're creating. Uh, in the men's Bible study and, and through this podcast, it'll, it could outlive us. It could way outlive us. And who knows how many people whose lives it's going to touch, you know? So I just love, I love the fact that we're recording the, the men's Bible study and, and, uh, you know, I, I know we're, we're collecting a lot of, uh, we haven't like gone real public with it yet, but I think there's some really cool opportunities to do that. Oh, and, and one little thing you do, you, you never know if it's going to change the trajectory of someone's spiritual life for, for all eternity. You know, we've, one of our Bible study leaders, John Lentz, was a very new Christian when he started with our Bible study and it became his lifeblood and, and it really caused him to get into the word deeply. And now he's a dear disciple of the Lord and, and his teaching and is uh, a great witness in his workplace and medical sales. And I, I think he would credit some of that, uh, a good portion of it to just being part of a men's group where we focus on the word of God and, and what we can uh, derive from it and learn from it and apply from it. That's great. Plus he's, plus he's genuinely funny. We should have him on just for comic. <laughs> yeah, he is funny. He I don't know funny. anyone who could deliver deadpan kind of, 
Uh, he, uh, you gotta love Johnny. Good. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we should, we should get him on the podcast. So in our last, can we just take a few minutes and talk about John chapter 16 and 17? I know our last podcast, we've, we've done 15 and 16, but uh, before we do, I just want one, one more comment on this, these five steps, because I just saw something as you were talking about it, as, as you guys are talking about abiding. It seems, and I don't know if I, I haven't read Warren Wiersbe's book on this, Bob. I don't know if either from the book or your own research, you about this but the steps going one for the next one commentator i did read about the fruit he wasn't weirsby it was somebody else they said it's interesting that the john 15 does not give a command to bear fruit in other words in john 15 the command is abide in me right and you got to keep my commandments and it says i'll tell you what my commandments are my commandments are to love each other so that your joy may be full so that, but there's not a command to say now i want you to run out and go bear fruit and it strikes me is that in the list here, the, the sequence, the way it's set up, the secret of life is bearing fruit. The secret of bearing fruit is abiding. The secret of abiding is obeying. It's important to not skip a step. You can uh, hop sketch, uh, scotch over it. And then you get into error. If you go right from one to three, if you say, yeah, the secret of life is bearing fruit, right, got it, check. Okay, how do I do that? Obedience. I got on, I got to work on that. I bear fruit. Like that you're skipping a step. And he's saying, you're not, if hard for me, you can do nothing. If you're, if you're not abiding in me, you're not going to do it. You, you, you're, and I, Greg, we, I think we talked about it a little bit last time. If you're in ministry, you can think about your techniques to get your numbers up. You can think about what you're going to do to get your listenership and your podcast up or whatever it is. Like, Hey, what you need to do is abide in me and be connected to the vine. And so, then the, the fruit bearing is really his, his work, right? Amen. Uh, our job is to be faithful and. To live lives, you know, consistent with what we, uh, what we say we believe. And the, the bearing fruit is really a work of God in the hearts of people who come in contact with us. And it's just a great joy for us to be able to be there when uh, he's working in their life and be the one maybe to usher them to a saving faith. But that's, that's God's work. And so, so I think we have to view, yeah, that bearing fruit is wonderful. Some people abide and don't bear a lot of fruit. I think of missionaries to China, you know, that went 20 years without a convert. Yeah. And then, then they begin to bear fruit at the end of their life. And next thing you know, it explodes and there's hundreds of millions of Chinese Christians, thanks to Hudson Taylor and others like that. But they may not have seen a lot of fruit in their own lives. And, you know, we have that principle where, where Paul says to the Corinthians, you know, I plant, you know, I, I plant Apollo's water, but who is it that gives the increase? God. God's the one who gives the increase. So we're just privileged to be in the right place at the right time to see people come to faith. But that's his work. Our job is to abide. So I agree with you, Jim. Amen like to that. And, you know, I think I think there is a temptation in, in ministry to to make bear fruit into a command. Right. Like, and then all of a sudden we take it on ourselves and we force it. So we'll do anything. We'll use marketing techniques to build our church. We'll, we'll, we'll use any human, you know, means to, to grow our church. But, but that's just, that's not, that's not the kind of, first of all, that's uh, that, the that kind you of, make, might make disciples of Greg and not disciples exactly. of Jesus Christ. I, I think of uh, Dwight Moody walking down the streets of Chicago and ran into a few uh, drunk gentlemen. And the one drunk says, oh, Mayor Moody, I'm one of your disciples. <laughs> <laughs> Moody says, well, 
Yeah, you, you do look like one of my disciples. Because if you were God's disciple, you'd be doing something else. So, so yeah, we don't need disciples of us. We need disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's great. That's great. <laughs> well, John 17, man, what an amazing chapter. And isn't it crazy that we have a, we actually have this prayer? Like we actually have a prayer of Jesus where he's actually praying for us who believe in him, you know, hundreds and thousands of years later. And uh, I just want to, to kind of dive in here. Verse three in John 17, I think is really powerful as Jesus is praying. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. You know, we just finished with the five secrets and, and one of those secrets is knowing, knowing God. And here, here, you know, Jesus is praying that people might know him and know God. I think that's just so powerful. But as we, as we look at chapters 16 and 17, and we're trying to help you out, Jim, in your preparation, there's a lot in the Holy Spirit in chapter 16, but we could, we could easily spend our time just in this this prayer of Jesus on John 17. What are some of your you guys' thoughts? I think this. I mean, it's called the Great Intercessory Prayer, right? Where Jesus does initially pray for himself, and then he prays for those close to him, his disciples, and then he prays for uh, all believers, the whole world. So it kind of broadens out, much in the same way that uh, Acts one eight broadens out, right? In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to be uttermost part of the earth when it talks about the Great Commission. And so it's it's a beautiful prayer for us to emulate. You know, you, you, I always pray for my uh, every night my wife and I pray for our kids and our grandkid and, and uh, you know, those close to us, but then work your way out of that inner circle to uh, to to the broader Church of Christ and people like uh, in, in Places where they're suffering persecution and so forth. Mike Howard have prayed for those people today at our, at our uh, church session because there are many people that don't have the freedom that we do to sit down and record a podcast. They could be persecuted and put in prison for that in certain countries. So, so uh, anyway, but it's a great, great intercessory prayer where Jesus prays for these different groups himself, his disciples, and then all believers. So that's a good starting point jim for when you're going to teach on this yeah it's so rich it's so amazing you know i did review this uh, with one of my kids today just kind of reading through together and with the same idea saying hey we're going to have to just kind of expound on this a little bit in a couple of weeks what are your thoughts and we're just looking at it and uh, you know sometimes you think like oh how much of this when jesus is saying something is for the apostles, when he says, you are the ones, you know, you have got the Lord, they should think of the Father, you've given these to me. Is he talking about all Christians or is it just really the apostles? And I don't want to expropriate a verse where he says, he, he's making something, he's making a statement about the apostles and how they're chosen. I say, well, that applies to me too. I'm not an apostle, you know, so I can, there can be that distinction. Yeah. Here there is a verse where he says, I'm praying for them and also everyone else in the world is going to believe the message through them. So really is that principle and Greg, you talk about some like spiritual multiplication. It's that he's going to work. I'm gonna, Jesus' plan is to change the world through these apostles, and then they are going to be spreading the word. So Jesus really is praying, not just not just for the twelve in the room, but for all the all Christians as well. Greg, I see you nodding. It. Did you want to add? Yeah. That? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's the verse where basically we can say Jesus prayed for us because yeah. he prayed for the people that were going to 
present the message to us and how, you know, and you think about how the gospel went to the Gentiles and, and then, you know, and how just the gospel has spread and through hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's, it's awesome. There's, it's, this is such a rich prayer. You know, one question my boy mentioned today is just this, it's right in the middle. It's right 15, 16. That's just John 17, verses 15 and 16, where he says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as not even as I am not of the world. So we were saying, like, what do you think that means? And I said, well, you know, there's a, there's a phrase we often talk about in Christian circles. Well, yeah, to be in the world, but not of the world. Right. In the world, but not of the world. I said, oh, that's nice, Daddy, but what does that actually mean? <laughs> And, and so I thought I'd throw that back at you guys and say, what do you, I, I know we've all heard that phrase before. Well, you gotta, as a Christian, you're in the world, but you're not of the world, right? So what do you, what do you guys think? What do you think that, how do you actually live that out in your life? I would just say, you know, reflecting back on what we just talked about, about the abiding in Christ, I think if we're truly abiding in Christ, I think then we can be in the world and not of the world. But it's a, but it's a, it's a daily decision. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's one of those things that you you have to you can easily easily become part of the world you know that's that's why that's why you know saturating your life in the scriptures is so important spending time in prayer is so important having a daily quiet time the spirit practicing the spiritual disciplines with the right motivation is so important because it keeps us abiding and i think if we're abiding in Christ, then we can be in the world, but not of the world. Well, to pick right up on that, Greg, I mean, then I read this 15 and 16, but the very next verse, verse 17, is what you're talking about. Sanct- it says, sanctify them in the truth. Again, this is Jesus praying for us. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So it's being bathed in scripture that's going to do that, right? And so that that's that's one way you're going to be in the world, and other way if you're soaking up scripture, which, by the way, is another reason... I just love the men of the word Bible study that we're talking, we're talking about because it is just scripture. It is, and, and we have so many times and we have other spiritual inputs in our life that are, you know, exhortational or in, inspirational or they're, they're other things. But this is where uh, for like uh, uh, some serious chunks of time, like an hour and 15 or hour, last week was hour and a half when, you know, uh, <laughs> a little bit over, a little bit over. But I mean, just guys, just, we're just digging into the word. We're going to plow through it in two years and then we're going to do it again. And, and, and it's amazing to me to see the receptivity of that guy's like eating it up because, because you're not getting it in other places. You're getting word. You're getting people expounding on things, but this kind of just maybe a little more hardcore studying the word is great. I think it's right in keeping a seven. Uh, and, and if you, if you understand really that, that it's the word of God that has the transforming ability in our lives and not my insight or my cute little angle on things, but it's really the word of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and just able to penetrate our lives like we read about in Hebrews, man. Then, then you say, let's, let's get the word of God out there. Let men interface with it. Yeah. And if I have a few comments that are helpful, great. But if I don't, that's okay. The word of God is still getting into guys' lives. So well, yeah. look, and this is why I, I can't believe my, I was going to use the phrase, thank my lucky stars, but that's not the right thing to say for a Bible study. Just praise, praise the Lord. Because I think uh, earlier this year, I got a chance to speak on Romans uh, 6 through 8, unbelievable passages about the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And now I get to, I don't know why no one else volunteered and soaked it up, snatched it up quicker than I did, Bob. But I'm re-talking about Romans, John 14 through 17. This is like, 
Yeah, it's a great section too. It's unbelievable. It's so great. So rich. Jesus is going, he's already come in Jerusalem. This is the upper room discourse. He's going to die in 24 hours. And I heard Tim Keller preach on this and he was saying, you know, all this time he's talking about the hour of his death. Like the we had in front of Canaan when he says to his mother, woman, my hour is not yet come. Remember that? Yep. And uh, he's talking about the hour of his death and all the whole thing is all the up to the cross. And now here in 14 through 17, he's saying, this is why I am dying. This is why I mean, he takes some four chapters and just Jesus' words, why I'm dying so that you can know me, so you can have a relationship with me, so you can abide in me like I'm the vine and be connected to me. And, and then he's in this, in this passage, John 17, this high priestly prayer saying, so you can be part and share in the glory that the Father and I have had since the foundation of the world. So we have in this incredible glory we have. And sometimes Greg would, we've, we've talked on here about how that's, Theologians call that the dance, right? The Trinity, the dance they have around each other. Always each one glorifying each other. And we have the opportunity to be part of that dance. And John 17 is one of the corner cornerstone passages for that. To say we can, Jesus is saying, I want them to be pulled into this glory that, Father, that you and I share. It's, these are incredible words. So I just, you know. Yeah, can I, can, can I return to uh, this one comment here? that you were talking about being in the world, but not of the world. Yeah, please, please. Because you made me think about some of Paul's epistles, like to the Colossians or the Ephesians, where he basically says, hey, positionally, you're already in the seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Positionally, you're there, okay? But practically, you're still dealing with, you know, these sins and these, you know, health issues, you know, you name it, that we're still dealing with things. But if each day you have the mindset, man, I'm a citizen of the kingdom in heaven with the king, then it gives you a, an eternal perspective that, you know, anything I'm going through is just light and momentary affliction, like we read about in in Second uh, Corinthians 4. And so it, having that attitude adjustment each day that, that you know, you, you realize that, uh, that you you know you're just passing through i think i think of larry norman saying a song you know I, i'm not a citizen here I, you know I, i'm just passing through right well it's not my home i'm just a yeah. passing through yeah i'm just passing how through do you, how do you yeah. about that? think about that if you don't have christ what's it's like almost like you got to live with it by not thinking about it because you if you thought about it say this world is all there is it just leads oh, to despair right and I, I look, we're in, the, we're in the world where people are wholeheartedly embracing YOLO. You only live once. You got to have a bucket list. <laughs> Go for the gusto. Yeah. Yeah. Go for the gusto. This is all there is. And I think really, if that, if you really thought, if that was really true, it should lead to utter despair. Right. That's true. So, well, Greg, you were going to say something earlier too. Well, I mean, we're talking about being in the world. I mean, look at John 16, 33. You know, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. You yeah. know, think about it. And when he said that, they had no clue what he was talking about. They, they had, you know, they, they weren't even thinking he was going to the cross, but the Holy Spirit allowed them to remember these words that he shared. And, and this chapter 16 is all about the Holy Spirit. And you, you mentioned the Trinity. If you, you know, here you have Jesus and then Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away, but, but the Holy Spirit's going to replace me. And then he has this prayer in John 17 to the Father. And so you see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all in these chapters. But 
I mean, that's just powerful. Like even the beginning, the very first verse in 16, he says, all this I've told you so that you will not fall away. Yeah. And then he, but then he says, I know you are going to fall away, but you're, but you're, but the Holy Spirit is going to bring you back. You know, I mean, it's just, it's really, really, it's fascinating for us to look back on this as we read this, because we know the end of the story. Yeah. But if you yeah. put yourself in those disciples' shoes in chapter 16, they didn't know. they're listening to him, and, they're, and you got to wonder how much of this is going over their heads. Most of it, right? But, I mean, you think of Jesus said to Peter, right? Satan is coming after you, but I have prayed for you, Peter, you know, that that you will... You will uh, overcome, you know, and so we have an advocate with the Father in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ and His Spirit, who indwells everyone who puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that presence of the Holy Spirit within us that wasn't the, something the disciples had at this point in time. Not until the day of Pentecost did that occur, and God's economy changed somewhat so that every person who has faith in christ now is indwelt by the holy spirit that's just a magnificent thought there by itself okay so here's a little puzzler for you in we just read really good john 17 but in john 16 i gotta find it here but it says jesus jesus says to them i have to go because if i don't go the holy spirit won't come why does it have to be mutually exclusive like that why can't he just say i'm gonna stay and i'll bring the holy spirit too why do you think Jesus says, I, I know it's going to be sad for you. You know, a little while you see me, a little while later you won't see me. But then he says, I need to go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. Why is it? Well, why does it have to be mutually exclusive? Why do you have to go? I'm sure the disciples are saying, wait, 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 why can't you, why can't you just, whoever that Holy Spirit is, I don't know what that is all about, but whoever it is, why can't you just stay Jesus and send the Holy Spirit too? Why do you have to go to send the Holy Spirit back? What do you, what do you guys no, that's, a, that's a great question. Like, you know, is there some, some law of nature that God has built into the, the Godhead that, uh, can't be violated here? You know, like the conservation of matter, you know, or something, some law of physics that he has put in. Who knows? But that's a good question for the other side. Well, yeah, I guess so. Cause I, it reminds me of how God, you know, this, the spiritual principle that God reveals himself accurately, but not fully. He says the things yeah. about the way this all works that you don't know and you don't need to know. That's why this I'm, I'm revealing as much as you need to know about how the Godhead works. But this is one thing. When my boy asked me this today, I said, I, you know, I don't know, but maybe do you think about what the Christian church would have looked like if Jesus had been here for the last 2000 years, like somewhere in Jerusalem, you know, somewhere right. on earth versus the Holy Spirit. Like you're talking about missionaries in China, missionaries, the Holy Spirit in every church around the world, the whole complexion would be really different. And it maybe just like Jesus say, look, that's just kind of the part of this plan. I got to go because I want my Holy Spirit to be everywhere in every church and not you saying, well, he's still living in Jerusalem. Let's just go ask him. Right. I don't know. Part of my, part of my, my thinking in answering that question is Jesus was really emphasizing that he, he had to go to the cross in order to, you know, there was no escaping the cross because that right. was his, his main mission. But it is an interesting question. Like, why couldn't the Holy Spirit have come before he went to the, he went to the cross? But maybe you know, the, what you're getting at, Greg, is that's part of God's redemptive plan. I'm going to go to the cross. This is the sequence of events. Yeah. My redemptive work has to be completed because of my work on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit will come and dwell you, help establish the church 
three. So I, I, th- I sort of think of it like, you know, he's just telling them he's got to leave, but what they don't realize is when he leaves, there's, there's the Holy Spirit is actually going to, I wonder if, I wonder for those disciples, if they felt like the Holy Spirit was almost as good or better than having Jesus's physical presence. Do you know what I mean? By Pentecost, they did. Probably this time, they were all just confused and saying, Because they were, when they were following Jesus, they were following a human being, and he could only be in one place at one time. But with the Holy Spirit, they could all have the Holy Spirit. And, and you look at in the book of Acts at some of the miracles that happened there, some of the right. crazy things that that the Holy Spirit did, they they might have had, might have enjoyed the Holy Spirit more than the physical presence of Jesus himself. I don't, you know, I'm just... Certainly they felt by then that the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, think about the tongues of fire, but even after that, is as real in my life as if Jesus was standing right here and I could just touch him physically. Both are just as real. One is as real as the other, right? Yeah. So they felt as close to God through the Holy Spirit than they, than as they did when Jesus was in their very presence. All right. Well, let's, let's kind of wrap up our discussion here. Are there any verses, particular verses that stand out to you in chapter 16 or 17 that you'd like to share? You have a focus for which you're going to talk about in a few weeks, Jim? I think, uh, I, th- I think actually that again, I haven't read Warren Rearsby's book, but those five things, the sequence of them is so powerful that I think uh, I'll probably use it as a broad outline for the whole talk and organize all the thoughts from 14, 15, 16, 17 into that framework. Hey, hey, that'll be a fun construct for you. Right. And I don't know if you, if you, when you taught on this and a couple of years ago and used that, if you did that, you had done it that way, but I think there's lots of things I want to say on this. And Greg, we talked about last time about that role of friendship from John 15, when Jesus says, I don't want to call your friends, things like that, you know, and the, you know, the, I think it's the secret of loving is knowing, you know, anyway, I'm going to take all these concepts of friendship relationship and kind of put them in that, that kind of framework. And then especially this John 17 high priestly prayer. And I want to make sure I kind of emphasize things like the Trinity and the role of the Holy Spirit, because that comes out through all four chapters when Jesus keeps saying, especially in 16, you know, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And, you know, people sometimes say, well, the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity is not in the Bible. The word Trinity doesn't show up in the Bible. This well, is true. Is, right? It's, there's no other way to read it. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at verses 12 to 15, you see the Trinity there. It's Jesus speaking. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. And that is why I've That is why I've said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So there you see the father, son, and spirit all in those verses. And indirectly, the very last verse of 17, Jim, I think is, is profound. Jesus speaking to the father at the end of his prayer says, I have made you the father known to them, the disciples, right? I've made you known to the disciples and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me, the love of the Father for the Son, 
may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Mm. And how is he going to be in them? Through the Holy Spirit, as he mentions in 16. So there's a lot of profound truths right there in that verse on the ministry of Christ, how he goes and intercedes for us, sitting at the right hand of the Father, but still interceding for us in that relationship with his Father. Yeah. I know that level you we were talking about earlier about the the word of God is just so transformative. You just read these passages. I we doing the study in John we've been doing for the last couple of weeks just reminds me again why when you're doing evangelistic Bible studies, when you're trying to talk to someone about Christianity, one of the best things you can do is take them right to the book of John. And yeah. that's why John's been used that way for centuries to say, Oh, you you're thinking about Christianity, let's read John together. And uh, you can read Matthew, Mark, you can read anything else. You can read Ephesians, you can read Romans. Uh, you can do all that stuff. Uh, but there's, I think, a reason why a lot of Christians say, let's start in John. Because you read Jesus and you say, wow, I love him. I want to know him. And he, he, John so emphasizes the idea of believe, believe, believe. I'm doing this so they can believe. And uh, I think it's in John 16 you read the light bulbs come off, you know, that go off for them. And they say, now... You're speaking plainly, not in figures of speech, and now we believe. Jesus says, now you believe. It's great. It's also that you may know me, that you may believe in me. But I, I, I'm, I just reminded why people that are starting to explore Christianity start in the book of John, because it helps you fall in love with Jesus. And, it, and we talked about it this Saturday that, you know, the purpose statement, you don't get that in a lot of books in the Bible, but we do have a purpose statement in John. It's in chapter 20, verse 31. It says, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The purposes are two. They're apologetic. Hey, I want to prove to you Jesus is the Christ. Here are all the signs he did. Here's the miracles. And, you know, I'm proving to you Jesus is the Christ. So that's the apologetic part. And then the evangelistic part that by believing you may have life in his name. You can have eternal life if you accept him as your personal savior once you understand who he really is so evangelistic and and apologetic we see that both of those in that verse i love it and the life you have is because you're connected to the vine the lifeblood of the vine is flowing through you right amen all ties together thanks for listening to this episode of the gospel addict podcast feel free to contact us via email at gospel addict podcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode and remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace and on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.